Night Talk, Monday to Thursdays, 10 to midnight. You're listening to Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for your time this evening. Give us a call if you want to make a comment on that conversation we just had. The open line starts exactly after 11 p.m. and you can share your comments with us. The number to dial is 86 0 2032. If you want to send us a WhatsApp voice note, that number is 0614-104-107. Tweet me, it is at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter, Oliver Dixon on Facebook. Oftentimes, when the budget speech is delivered, South Africans ask questions like, who advises these people? Where did they get the idea to do that and that and that? There are various statutory bodies uh, involved in the economic value chain uh, that contribute in different ways to the economic outcome of the country, some in an advisory capacity, some in a research capacity, some in a regulatory capacity, um, and some in an implementation capacity. One statutory body in South Africa is the Financial and Fiscal Commission, right, of who the chairperson is, Dr. Nombe Kombava. Dr. Nombe Kombava, a brilliant mind about the economy, uh, is a lecturer, uh, but tonight we speak to her in her capacity uh, as the chairperson of the Financial and Fiscal Commission. Dr. Mbaba, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Oliva. It's a great pleasure for me to be here. Always an honor to speak to you. Let's start here. I mean, I, I you and I have uh, you, you, I've interviewed you multiple times, uh, and 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 have you know we've as listeners and as the media and as South Africans we've gotten great value out of the work you do as an economist and as uh, the chairperson and perhaps even just as the commission altogether. But you wrote a column recently in the Business Day, which I think is really really detailed and incisive. Let's start with the point the column is trying to make. What does the fiscal, the Financial and Fiscal Commission do? Yeah, well, that's a very important question. Um, you remember that, um, you know, in our constitution, um, uh, a various number of institutions were established, uh, independent uh, constitutional institutions, which essentially were meant to, um, to provide checks and balances on our government and to also ensure that um, uh, government lives up to our um, constitutional democracy and to our um, to our rights as citizens. So these institutions are there to provide some sort of oversight and to all, to hold our government accountable. Um, we call them Chapter Nine institutions yeah. because they are in Chapter Nine of the of the Constitution, and the FFC is also a constitutional body as well. But in the Constitution, you'll find the FFC in on Chapter Thirteen, which essentially speaks about uh, the fiscal powers right. uh, between the the three spheres of government. So essentially. Uh, chapter 13 of the Constitution discusses about who has the power to raise revenue. How is the revenue going to be distributed? And then also uh, explains the role of the Financial and Fiscal Commission. So the idea of the Financial and Fiscal Commission, according to the drafters of the Constitution, is to have an independent body that will have an oversight in terms of how the division uh, of revenue um, is divided 
equitably between the three years of government. So the idea was to take the politics out of it, to have an impartial body rather than to have the politicians themselves or even the executive uh, make those decisions because of vested interest. So you will have an independent body, an expert advisory body, which will decide how much and how should these allocations be made. And also there are clear guidelines as well, if you look at the constitution on what it is that we need to consider when we make uh, these uh, decisions. So if you look at chapter um, section 214 of the, the constitution, it's quite clear what is the criteria that the FFC, when it makes its uh, recommendation and is being consulted on how to do this, uh, how to advise on this uh, division of revenue between the three spheres of government, what is the criteria? What must it look out for? Yeah. So the national interest is very important. The, uh, the capacity of the provinces and the municipalities to be able to deliver basic services and to also look at the, you know, the economic disparities uh, of the provinces as well. And also to remember, Oliver, that um, who, where is the money coming from? Yeah. Who has the fiscal raising power? Um, the provinces do not have the fiscal power to raise uh, revenue. Revenue is raised by a national government. So the nationally raised revenue is then equitably divided um, amongst the three spheres. Also, the constitution as well restricts uh, the provinces from actually having any tax raising power as well. So to compensate them for that, they are then uh, guaranteed an equitable share in the nationally raised revenue. But for that share to be uh, to be seen as equitable, there needs to be an indep- independent body that will also oversee the process and also provide advice uh, to both uh, provincial, local, and national governments uh, in this regard. So the Financial and Fiscal Commission is a is a very important um, uh, guardian of our democracy in the sense that uh, it is impartial. Uh, according to the constitution, it must be uh, scrupulously fair in the way that um, it is an arbiter in this uh, in this forum. So, um, along with the other Chapter Nine institutions, then the Financial and Fiscal Commission is there to safeguard and promote our dis- democracy. You know, as a watchdog to ensure that uh, our fiscal resources are used in the most uh, equitable uh, way and that all these policy choices that uh, the executive makes, they are actually um, benefiting and uh, live up to the constitutional master. So when we as the FFC then are being consulted uh, by government uh, initially uh, on the division of revenue, we need now to go back to the constitution and look at those requirements. And then, of course, afterwards, Parliament also calls us in to say, we also want your input to look at the fiscal proposals that the executive is making to Parliament. Remember, it's going to be Parliament who passes the budget, but Parliament must be advised as well. 
so that they can be fully uh, informed as to whether these proposed budgetary uh, frameworks actually make sense and they will actually benefit uh, our people. So the FFC, along with other institutions, as you, as you have rightly say, uh, also makes those advices and those um, inputs. Yeah. Um, chapter 13, 13 of the Constitution gives you certain statutory powers, but to the extent of your engagement with National Treasury, the provinces and Parliament, it is by and large in an advisory capacity. You may, as, you may well advise the Minister of Finance or the uh, or Budget Committee uh, or the Ministerial Committee uh, in the Budget Office, soundly so, right? But they may right. choose to ignore your advice or not take all of it into consideration, correct? Well, that is the nature of all Chapter 9 institutions uh, because our, our ours, we do not have the judiciary powers where... Um, our recommendations are seen as um, binding. as binding, you know. Yeah. Uh, we make them in a in an advisory capacity. So all Chapter Nine institutions have the same uh, sort of, uh, you know, if you will, uh, dilemma because we make these recommendations. It's up to the executive now to uh, to implement them and to accept them. So as the FFC, we also make our recommendations to the Minister of Finance and uh, to Parliament. And uh, it's up to them now to take that advice. But what we can assure, um, you know, the, the recipients is that our advice is impartial. Our advice is, uh, is researched. Our advice um, is evidence-based. So it is not um, yeah. uh, influenced by politics or by partisanship. So it can be trusted in that sense that uh, the advice can actually have an influence on policy choices. So, yes, that, that, is, that is a fact that uh, we make these recommendations and we are hoping that the recipients will actually um, uh, adopt. Uh, there has been over the years many, um, uh, lots of our advice which were given to government, which was adopted. Um, you know, so it's, we, 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 we work well with government yeah. in that sense. Um, but obviously uh, it, is, it is on the, it is um, dependent uh, on government whether they accept our advice or not. Yeah. So, so where does your watchdog uh, statutory powers begin and end? Um, so let's say parliament passes a revenue division that is not equitable. What are you empowered to be able to do about it? Okay. So remember, Parliament is also advised uh, by 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 the PBO, which is the Parliamentary Budget Office. Yeah. So they are there as well to advise Parliament. Those four committees uh, in both houses of Parliament are also advised by uh, by that uh, that that PBO uh, uh, structure as well. So um, our mandate uh, is to advise uh, government based on our analysis. Now, uh, we hope that our evidence will be compelling enough for them to understand that as legislatures, the decisions they make in terms of passing the budget, we can only highlight the impact thereof whether it's um, at local government uh, or at provincial uh, level 
or even at uh, at, at individual, um, you know, taxpayer um, basis. So we have made quite strong, um, you know, uh, policy positions on where we stand, for instance, on uh, state-owned uh, entities and where, uh, whether they need to be, uh, you know, uh, further funded and what is the implications of uh, continuous bailouts. Those are our recommendations as to whether is this the best way of using taxpayers' money. I'm just making an example of some sure. of the recommendations we've made. So um, ours then is to uh, bring to the fore research evidence of the potential implications of policy choices that uh, legislatures make, you know. So So when they pass the budget, we can highlight the potential uh, benefit or the potential pitfalls. So it's up to them now to uh, sit back and, um, you know, and digest the information they receive from the FFC, from civil society, from the parliamentary budget office, all of that information. Now they will assess that and decide, does the fiscal framework that is being presented uh, to them by National Treasury, does it make sense? Yeah. And so, then they so, can so, you, so you advise uh, retrospectively and prospectively on what the best way is to spend taxpayer money. Um, do you also advise, because tax policy is different from fiscal policy, right? Do you also advise on the tax policy element of, of our economic value change? That is to say, if the minister is considering certain tax amendments um, certain tax adjustments. Uh, does the FFC provide advisory uh, input on that as well? So let's say, hypothetically speaking, the minister says, look, we've got a budget deficit that we need to close urgently, um, and I think we need to raise VAT by another 1%, for instance. Um, is that something that the FFC would pass commentary on? Well, the the the, the FFC uh, Act and and the Constitution is is very clear on the specific legislative uh, you know functions of the FFC. So, for instance, we do advise on the borrowing powers, for instance, uh, of provincial governments. Um, we also uh, advise on um, proposed uh, taxes that uh, can come from, uh, you know, the provinces or even local government. So uh, we do have advice that we give uh, on on potential taxes that are proposed, but these are very specific uh, as per our legislation. I don't think we uh, we advise on the entire tax framework, but on specific uh, tax uh, proposals. But these these essentially will be uh, the tax implications on the uh, division of revenue. Yeah. So it will be, yeah, yeah, essentially. Yeah. So you guys are an expert body driven uh, and made up of uh, researchers, economists, and people who make economic considerations outside of the politics of the day, which politicians may not necessarily uh, make the same consideration thereof. That's correct. Yeah. So, um, so we, we, we are supposed to be a, an expert body. Uh, so our advice need, needs to be credible. It needs to be trusted. It needs to be uh, well researched because it must have an, an influence uh, on policy decisions. Yeah. So uh, we, we take great steps to ensure that our advice um, is, is, you know, is, is 
quite in depth and uh, the analysis that we present, uh, our researchers really go um, into detail and do very sophisticated uh, economic yeah. models to see what if, what if we do this? What if we do that? What is the implication? And then we can have a potential, you know, scenario yeah. that I'm, we can I'm, present. I'm, I'm glad you speak there about uh, the projections, right? Because you called out some of the projections that come out in National Treasury as not having been consistently good. Uh, for instance, uh, in, in, in your business day column, you said what the commission has not done fully in line with its mandate is the proper forecasting and monitoring of fiscal rules. This is important because in South Africa, the policy planning process has been characterized by consistent overestimation of GDP growth in the last 10 years. The national government's budget have consistently been overly uh, optimistic regarding GDP growth since 2008, 2009, and the budget projections have overestimated inflation since 2016. These consistent errors in projections could have influenced policy decisions such as planned expenditures and public and private wage negotiations. Why are we getting these forecastings correct by and large? Well, I think it's because, you know, uh, maybe from the national uh, treasury's perspective, maybe they are more optimistic about our, our growth trajectory. Um, so you'll have to look at their projections. You have to look at uh, other international bodies like the IMF's projection. But you'll always find that um, some projections are more conservative than others. Some are more optimistic. So when you have more optimistic projections, you're probably going to make decisions which are more, um, uh, you know, you, you want to you implement decisions which you because you are more optimistic. So you're probably going to open the purse maybe even more. Well, so what, what, what we're saying here essentially is that we also need to have the FFC have some sort of uh, projections that can be seen side by side. Uh, with the projections which are presented to uh, to government uh, by other parties as well. So we haven't done that. So in, in the article, what we argue is that we need to position the FFC to, um, because it's, it's in within our mandate as well, to be able to, uh, to bring forth um, what do we see as a, as a potential uh, uh, fiscal framework that is sustainable. Yeah. Uh, how do we deal with unemployment and growth, uh, you know, challenges? So we need to also have a sounding board. So essentially what you're saying is that it's not just enough to just have one voice, which essentially is what is presented as, uh, you know, National Treasury's voice. So our voice can, we can actually have the same voice. We can actually validate those projections, you know because you're also using the same data yeah. or we can disagree. That's healthy. That's fine. Sure. But it means that we need to have, you know, um, a healthy um, sort of, uh, you know, um, space where the FFC as well has the ability to actually now present a, a coherent uh policy uh, framework that they think we can say, okay, National Treasury said we're going to grow by, you know, I don't know, 0.9%. IMF said we're going to grow by 0.7%. The FFC believes that actually 
we can grow even less. You know, I'm just saying, yeah. uh, you know, making it. But that is also, it means that now we are also making projections that the the uh, the legislatures now can have a, a wider breadth, uh, you know, of information in front of them instead of just having uh you know, limited uh, information coming from, um, you know, from research internally. Yeah. Are you guys hiring mm. there at the FFC? Well, uh, there might be a young economist listening now saying, oh, I'd want to do some of that research and advisory work. Uh, I want to work for the FFC one day. Uh, are you guys expanding the organization? How big is the organization? Well, um, we, we our, our, our mandate is quite big, I must say, um, Oliver. But we are a very, very small organization. Uh, we have, I think, less than 50 employees um, in our structure. Um, we want to uh, to position the FFC to be uh, resilient and to uh, to be to be fit for purpose and to be relevant. Remember, the Financial and Fiscal Commission has to be consulted by government. It's mandated. They are mandated to consult, but we do not want to get to a point where government, um, you know, consult the FFC only as a tick box exercise because they have lost faith in the FFC's work or its research uh, is not credible or it's not seen as being relevant, you know, in terms of the policy issues of the day. So now we are actually... Uh, ensuring that our policy advice is relevant. It speaks to the issues of the day so that we can empower and advise legislatures. So um, what what we're trying to do now is to also uh, tighten um, our our implementation internally. We want to be more efficient. We want to be focused. So uh, I think for a long time as well, as the FFC, we have sort of uh, been under the radar. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is that we have not been very um, visible in terms of who we are and what we do and the importance of our work. So um, now we are trying to ensure that uh, we are actually in line you know with the with the times Absolutely. in terms of being in, in terms of being innovative yeah. uh, in our work being more efficient being more effective and also attracting the young, right the right talent um, yeah yes the right talent so Do- yeah, recently Dr. we have welcome we have Dr. welcome Dr. Mbav, unfortunately, we've gone two minutes over time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there. But I really do appreciate your insights. Thank you so much for for joining us here on Night Talk. No, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Oliver. Thank you. Absolute pleasure. It's two minutes after 11 o'clock. Greg Coase has your news. I'm so sorry for the delay.